We will now have opening statements. Mr. Dred Scott, if you would. May it please the court. My, I, 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 Mr. Dred Scott, I, I think we've heard enough. Bailiff, please sell him back to his slave master. Make sure you tax him with the court calls. Welcome, welcome. So you made it to episode two of Brothers-in-Law, and apparently we haven't been canceled yet, so onward and upward. As always, uh, I'm attorney Jesse McCoy, and I'm delighted to be joined by the world's foremost legal humorist, Brother Sean Carter. How goes it? Good. I'm up here in uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, playing my favorite game, uh, Blackie Mongo. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, by, by catch them all by getting pictures of all the black people in uh, Saskatchewan. I've gotten oh, wow. four so far. I think that's, it couldn't be more than five. So I think I pretty much got them all. Catch them all. Black and mine. Okay. Let's move on. All right, cool. Well, uh, today's topic uh, is the cream always rises to the top. And by cream, we mean white people. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to start the conversation out, first of all, with some very important disclaimers. So uh, it's come to my attention that we have increased our white listening audience to two people. Hello to white listeners. Um, this is a vast improvement from where we were uh, in the last episode. Um, and so I want to make sure that we address that our topic today is not a condemnation of white people uh, because much like most black people, we love all people. However, uh, we do want to condemn institutional white supremacy as well as those who selectively choose to ignore the privileges that they have because a lot of times they don't even realize how different of a playing field they're operating on compared to their black counterparts. And People may be unaware, but uh, black folks are born into a life of, of pressure and the pressure is not just self-resilience and how to empower myself economically, but it's also the pressure to obtain the fruits of what I would consider to be white success. So we want the nice house. We want a nice car. We want good food good credit, access to capital, a good job. Uh, we just want a little leeway to be able to have those things and flavor it up to our taste. Uh, and, <laughs> and in so doing, there has been a division amongst this country since our founding of American values and black American values. You know, you mentioned that we want it all. And it's just like, um, what was the song where uh, Dr. Dre's cousin... Oh, Warren G. I want it all. Money, fast cars, diamond rings, gold chains, and champagne. Shit, every damn thing. I want it all. Houses, expenses, my own business, a truck, and a couple of minutes. I want it all. Brand new socks and drawers. And I'm... That's really all we're saying. We want brand new socks and drawers, white people. That's all we're asking for. Right, right. <laughs> And maybe every once in a while, uh, escalate. Right. Nothing wrong with that. So one of the, the sayings that uh, for our white listeners they may be unfamiliar with is in the black community, there's a theme that you have to be 
twice as good as your white counterparts in order to achieve half of what they obtain. Um, I've been told that because of the economy, inflation has actually increased that say that you have to be three times as good to, <laughs> to get half of what white people are able to obtain. Um, and this is, you know, it's not new for black America, but this is the standard that it seems like we've been chasing since uh, roughly the 1700s when America was founded. Uh, there's uh, this great black American person in history named Benjamin Banneker. And some people may have heard of him, but this guy did some amazing things. Uh, not just for the culture, but for the country. And it, it seems like he has been reduced to some dude that made a clock. I'm going to tell you, when you said Benjamin Banneker the first time, I ain't going to lie, all right? I thought you were talking about um, that guy who turned into the Incredible Hulk. Okay. <laughs> so for those who, who may not know, so Benjamin Banneker did amazing things. One of the biggest things he did was he was actually the surveyor uh, who drafted the original blueprints for Washington, D.C., what we're going to be the capital of our nation. Um, he also designed a clock, which we just recently learned was based on borrowing someone else's clock dismantling it, memorizing the structure of the clock, putting it back together, giving it to them, and recreating it out of wood chips from memory. So imagine, you know, your boy lends you his Escalade. You want to figure out how it works. You take it apart in your driveway. Right. <laughs> and you sure you can get it back together and still have it run. And by the way, it's not like clocks back then were very reliable anyway. Right. Right. So it's not like one little thing off and this thing wouldn't have worked at all. And I imagine that if you ruined a white man's pocket watch back then, uh, that white man owns you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he puts it back together and says, here, you, I don't need that anymore. I got it in my head. He did the same thing with the survey. Right. And they're all doing a survey. The, the original architect says, you know what, I quit. I, I, I don't know, he got mad. Um, somebody took a knee, whatever it was. <laughs> he gets off, he gets off the job. And Benjamin Banneker's like, no problem. I, I saw the blueprints. I got this. Right. What? You Because you saw it? You can memorize it? Recreate it? You, you, you know how to draw? You, you, do you have hands? Right. <laughs> the brother is amazed. The brother was amazing um, with his memory, and I never even heard of him. Well, what I'll say <laughs> is the interesting things I found about him was that in 1791, he actually wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson uh, just kind of talking about how slavery is wrong. Thomas Jefferson should understand that because he just finished writing uh, all these documents evidencing uh life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and men being uh, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Uh, and he basically called Thomas Jefferson out on the hypocrisy of his statement. But um, unlike what most black people at that time probably would do, he signed his full name to the letter as if to say, oh, you know who I am, and if you got a problem with it, you can come see me. Uh, I'm out here. 
<laughs> I wish that Thomas Jefferson would. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, that's, that's a bad. <laughs> that's a bad man because I would have signed it with your name. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> so Thomas Jefferson gets these uh, letters and doesn't respond, of course, until Benjamin Banneker passes away. I believe in 1806. And after he passes away, Thomas Jefferson all of a sudden becomes this uh, figure who wants to publicly talk about Benjamin Banneker, but everything he says, it, it goes against everything that Benjamin Banneker did. So he tried to claim that Benjamin Banneker's work was that of a white counterpart of Banneker and that he was just allowed to sign his name to it, despite the fact that Benjamin Banneker had a reputable almanac that many people were using as a resource for them. Um, in, in well, the no, no, let's be fair. Oh. Let's be fair to TJ here, okay? Because I don't know about you, but back in the early right nineteenth century, white people very oftentimes let black people take credit for their stuff, didn't they? <laughs> His claim, think about how ridiculous his claim is, right? That some white man said, hey, you know what? I don't want any credit for this. I'd like to have a black man have credit for this because that's how things work in 1806. (laughs) Think about it. Little Richard couldn't get credit for his stuff in 1966. I have never received nothing. You all never gave me no Grammy. And I've been singing for years. I am the architect of rock and roll. They never gave me nothing. which, which brings us to 2017. Uh, we have the vice president of Apple and uh, Denise Young-Smith. She's vice president of human resources. And this past week, she was in Columbia and decided to uh, <laughs> make a statement about how 12 white, blue-eyed, blind men in a room uh, are diverse. Well, and, and and they are in the sense that they were probably distinct human beings, right. um, but the idea, like I said, you know, it was weird to me because we you know, we talked about this. To me, this is diversity training one hundred and one. That twelve blue-eyed white guys are by definition not diverse. Right. That to me would be like you went to a doctor and you said something's wrong with me, and he and you said I think it's my esophagus, and he said no, it's not. I, I, I'm telling you now, it might be your Plato or your Aristotle, but it's not your esophagus because I read the esophagus and I know that that play is a piece of crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's not, she's missing the very fundamental thing. The other thing is, I thought about it. I said, is this sister trying to get herself worked out of a job? Because Apple can already produce a result where they get twelve white guys in a room. Right. They're so good at that. You don't right. need to hire a sister and pay her seven figures to get 12 white guys in a room. <laughs> I would do that for you for about a buck 40. Um, <laughs> you, you know, 140,000, I'll get all the white guys you want. Right. So, so I'm like, what are you trying to do? For, for, for you know, Are you trying to set the bar low? So if she gets one non-white guy in there, she's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something right now. Well, it's 12 white guys. I got it down to 11. Give me two years. Yeah. Stay woke. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about for a second, though, the clapback. Okay. Because everybody but Maxine Waters got into this one. Okay. And, and I wish she would have been, because everybody else was like, I'm, I'm reclaiming my time. Hold on. Right. Committee, 
with the reclaiming House Intel time, Committee, with the Senate time, Judiciary reclaiming Committee. Okay. Reclaiming my fact, time. Okay. Matter of fact, Mr. Secretary, the time. The time. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about that dynamic that I want to talk about, which is we'll give you a little cover, all right? Mm-hmm. As the people we look at, we're rooting for you. Obviously, I don't know about you, but... I, I think you are. I'm rooting for this sister to do well. Absolutely. All right? It cannot possibly, you know, work out bad for us if this sister does well. It works out for everybody. But, you know, if you kind of sell the, the, you know, the kinfolk down the river, um, we, we're not going to put this way. Uh, school's going to be open on, on, on your birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we're very much in the black car revocation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, the, you you written your black card on a week to week basis. Right. <laughs> black card revocation because that black card has definitely has eligibility criteria. That's <laughs> the easiest thing to lose. Um, and you always have to look at the optics of the situation because she's saying this in Bogota, uh, Colombia, and I'm not. You know, outside of the the narco series on Netflix, I'm not really um, that that on top of what the breakdown is in Colombia. But I would imagine that you know she's not talking to a room full of us. Um, and no, but <laughs> I don't think she's talking to a room full of us or Latinos, and not because they're not in Bogota, but because remember they brought in their people. Right. right. So I go sometimes I'll go to a conference in Chicago and uh it's still all white people in the conference. I could go we could go to a conference of, of you know legal professionals in Zaire and it'd still be all white people. Right. right. So I imagine that her audience was, you know, she could have had that audience in Silicon Valley. They all went to Bogota. Um maybe they have nice smoothies there. And <laughs> And so I don't think she was talking to the Bo- to, to the Colombians, um, but rather to you know a bunch of Americans there, and uh, and and you know and so I think you're right. She was she was trying to you know say something. I think that her audience liked. I think the audience did like it. And as much as black people didn't like this, and you know progressive people, mm-hmm. the MAGA people. Now, if she want to, she could be um, you know. The, well, not really. The, I was going to say the queen of MAGA, but she's still black. Um, <laughs> but she can kind of be like uh, Diamond and Silk. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> diamond and Silk. Oh, my God. Did you see the video? Did you- hey, yo, yo. I don't care if your name is Eminem, Buttercup, Peanut, Slim Jim, or Curtain Shade. When you come for the Donald, we will be coming for you. He's your president. You look in the dictionary under coonery. Right. And it is both of them with their weaves. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And and the funniest thing about both of them, so um first of all, I want to apologize to the world on behalf of North Carolina because unfortunately they are our products. Uh, have been put out in the world. And Why then, would you admit that? Why'd you uh, say South Carolina? 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't do that to them. I would. We, we own ours. We, <laughs> we own it. But one of the things is when I saw them during campaign season. Obviously, you acknowledge that it's coonery and you, you turn the channel. But I just knew that if you're selling your soul and your black card um, for Donald Trump, he had to make it worth your while. Um, and I'm thinking, OK, well, they're getting, you know, 10 million, 15, million, something like that. They do a breakdown of the campaign finances, and it turns out they're getting $1,400, not even a piece, $1,400 all in. And it, it, may, it hurt my soul. <laughs> like, y'all couldn't even get first-class plane ticket. Y'all riding on Greyhound. State to state, campaigning for him, acting foolish, looking foolish, and then now, as a president, you can you continue to do it, and I'm sure he's not even paying you anymore. Oh, it's, I'm not sure he that he ever gave him the fourteen hundred. Ain't like Donald is good for the money. <laughs> I hope he got it up front in cash, all right, <laughs> in small bills. Now, the best part about it is fourteen hundred dollars. You realize that's not even enough to buy patty pies. Right. And the reason they got to buy patty pies is you know we done banned them from sweet potato. They're not eating. They're not eating pie with us anymore. If some of you white people want to get pumpkin pie, then I'm sure they'll take it. But they, they're not getting sweet. They're not getting you know Big Mama sweet potato pie. They, they are they are banned oh, no. from that. Oh no, no, no cookouts. Uh, no, no family and friends day at church. None of that. And yeah, I imagine no. if they get to go to the cookout, here's the rule for them: you can come to the cookout, but you can't take a plate with you. Right? Yeah. Whatever you can eat there, you fine. But you're not gonna be able to take a plate. You certainly can't take a plate for man, man. Who didn't come at all? All right, <laughs> you you got to have your black card firmly in place to take a plate for somebody who didn't come. Now you can take six, eight, eight plates, you know, if you got your black card good. All right, but not not those fools. I, I wish I wish, you hurt my heart when you showed fourteen hundred dollars. Really, fourteen hundred dollars. <laughs> and you would think, you know, with with stage names like Diamond and Silk. Uh, my expectations were just so much higher than what, what I ended up seeing. And I don't think $1,400 is going to buy you diamonds or silk. Um, you know, it definitely is not going to buy you the appropriate type of hairpiece. Um, at least for the videos. <laughs> well, that's that what I was thinking. I was like, you know, it, that probably explains the weaves then. How bad they are. <laughs> that's a fourteen hundred. That's a seven hundred dollar a piece weave. There, there you go. Okay, okay. I, I feel a little better about it. At least they spent their money wisely and got the most weave they could for fourteen hundred dollars. Oh man. You should have told that. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm going to take this out and I'm going to edit it out and I'll tell you why. Because white people can't know we could be for sale for $1,400. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> in, in 1806, black people cost more than $1,400. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Well, well, we were talking about that last episode because we were trying to figure out why um, Nigerians were being called to call people and tell them that Hillary Clinton was racist and all that stuff. And you ask, why can't you just find a brother in Cleveland and give him a Popeye special? Well, now we found sisters in North Carolina for fourteen hundred dollars. So they're, you know, it's making America great again. 
That you know that to, that that to me is, is amazing because sisters are usually down for the cause, right. you know. So by the way, if you out there and, and Diamond and Silk are your people, um, you, you got to handle this, all right. <laughs> this is that, that's all I gotta say. I don't know how you gonna handle it, you know. But somebody's weed need to get snatched out by the roots. <laughs> that's all I'm. I'm not advocating violence, but weed snatching is in order. I think we all agree. <laughs> so. I want to shift over from those two sisters and talk about the brothers, the brothers in the NFL. Um, Last week, we were watching with great anticipation to see what the response was going to be, given the (laughs) mandates of Jerry Jones. And now, all of a sudden, this positioning of Roger Goodell and what people should and should not be doing and what should be mandated for National Anthem. Uh, respect uh, and again as we always say the the real issue of police brutality once again gets swept under the rug for the show and tell issue but even now it looks like the number of participants in the show and tell process is decreasing significantly yeah, yeah, we're down to the last th- this is like you know the last um show of Survivor, right? We're down to basically the final four. So, <laughs> you know, it, 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 somebody's going to pretty soon be blowing that conch, and that's really <laughs> all, all we have left. Over the weekend, let's just be clear, because I'm understanding a little bit. We had three Dolphins, I think, that uh, stayed in the tunnel, and we had uh, a, a Giant, I think, who uh, stayed in the tunnel. We had a Titan, a lot of tunnel staying. All right, a lot of tunnel stand. We had six 49ers, you know, that got on the knee. Um, we had Dallas, who had a bye. And, you know, Jerry Jones has been as the center of this. They had a big meeting. And after the meeting, Jerry Jones was said, hey, keep, keep my name out your mouth. Right. All right, because nobody had a comment. And they did the interviews afterwards. I love this. Orlando Scandrick, cornerback, said no comment seven times. No comment, no comment, no comment. But all the while, he was playing in the background loudly uh, FDT, F Donald Trump. (laughs) Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. I don't like your yeah, ass. Yeah, nigga. fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, I really fuck don't Donald like Trump. Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. That is my new jam. <laughs> Shout out to uh, who is that? YG, Nipsey Hustle, and uh, Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still trying to, trying, trying to figure it out. Now if they got Nipsey Hustle. My, my my question is why why couldn't they find um, also Scatman Crothers or whatever the rapper <laughs> version of, uh, of, of that. Nipsey Hustle really you don't know, pretend to be Nipsey Russell <laughs> Nipsey Hustle I like him he's up and coming uh, the new voice of Los Angeles man. <laughs> <laughs> but the song though. Hey, by the way, I, I, I remember I told you before, you know, I, I always have a, a little problem with some of the new rap. I'm old. I'm 50. All oh, right. So yeah, so some of the new rap. And, and I, I just think sometimes they're lazy in. I'm not going to play the, the, you know, the verse, so to speak, because at one point he rhymes Mexican three times in a row. <laughs> really? 
that's not art, art, lyrical artistry if you just write the rap, write, rap the same word over and over. That's almost like, you know, when, when Snoop sort of cheats and throws the Izzo on the back of everything. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's the new standard that we were talking about earlier. Like, you know, Nicki Minaj kind of set the bar with China, race to China, race to China. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do, man. Because, you know, I, and I, I think we need to do this, man. At the, the Brothers-in-Law show, here's what we're going to do. We're going to buy a thesaurus. Okay. <laughs> For YG and Nipsey. Brothers is on us. Get you a thesaurus. <laughs> but next time, you better have two different words that rhyme. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Pray well, for me. You know, this, the lyricism, man, and like we've got that extreme on one end, and then we've got Eminem's uh, award show. Uh, rap against Donald Trump on the other end, and what are your thoughts on on, on that? I was a little disappointed. Okay, a, a little, little, little disappointed. You know what I'm gonna do though? I, I, I wanna, I wanna freestyle this. I, I'm gonna take a little hit to my black card and go ahead and say it. I really okay. wasn't feeling Eminem. Okay. To me, he really didn't slay it. Sure, he did the right, had the right posture mm-hmm. and spoke with much venom. But why was he surrounded with cars with nobody in them? Was his crew just standing there, looking all shook and verklempt? Where were they double parked? Did they get not get the proper permit? And what's up with freestyle anyway? Is art only art when it's unplanned, straight from the dome? Because if that's the case, maybe someone should have told all those sculptors from Florence, Venice, and Rome. Call me old school if you want. I'll accept the clap back and chitter chatter. But in my day, if you had something to say, then you took the time to prepare because it matters. How you flow, the rhyme and the tempo, isn't something you get on 3, 2, 1, go. You plot and you scheme with every jot and tittle, whether your following is huge or just a little. This is how we got into this mess, with folks mm. going off all half-cocked. So think carefully before you comment on my rap, because your ass might get blocked. Ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> 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 oh man that's platinum that's platinum status right I'm there I'm telling you now here's the thing about it is I, 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 that's not Dr. Freestyle I wrote that in 17 minutes so Eminem <laughs> could have spent 18 and a half minutes and really got his flow tight that's all I'm saying <laughs> but I'm glad he cursed him out um, somebody had to do it you notice by the way Trump didn't have nothing to say about that Oh, no, no. I mean, he was the complexion for the protection. Thank so. you. And who else cursed him out this week? He had nothing to say about either. Um, and I'm convinced that what we need to do as black people is pool our money together and hire white people to curse out Trump every other day. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be much, much more well received. I mean, uh, I think the problem is he doesn't really know how to control white people who curse him out because they're they're equals like they're equals. No, and, and here's the problem though is that the problem we have of course is we can't get no white people to do it for fourteen hundred dollars right <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need jay-z and beyonce to really come in on this one and finance some of this right. white people can at least charge you know fourteen thousand right right you know he's our president man that's that's the the new New jam on on the internet. I think they got more likes and shares than the Eminem did. He's your president. He he your president. 
Oh, don't, don't even get me started with those fools. <laughs> now, by the way, here's the thing about it is, and we, you know, and this is gonna be a good segue into this. You talked about earlier about how you know it's important to be able to, as an African American, and really all people of color, all right, um, yeah. that you have to do twice as much, okay, to get half as far. Wow. And one of the things that, that I was talking to a friend of mine that, you know, I'm, I'm, I was giving you know, Eminem a hard time or, you know, YG a hard time about this because I see sometimes, a tendency sometimes for, for, for black folks to forget that. If you wow. ride Mexican three times in a row, you're not really giving your best. And you keep thinking, I can get by. I saw white people kind of pull this. I can get by. And I want to say, no, 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 no. Yes, Eminem, like you said, has the, the, the complexion for the protection. Uh, but your black butt uh, going to have to give the source. <laughs> uh, you need to put your stuff together because you need to be twice as good. And our parents used to teach us that. And I'm like, our parents are no longer teaching kids. But you gotta be twice as good because the stuff that works for, 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 for white people just won't work for us. We, we talked about music. We're talking about music. You know, to be a black, particularly an R&B, R&B singer, you have to have the incomplete package. Look at a Beyonce. Right. You know, can sing like an angel, dances, are beautiful. Everything mm-hmm. has to be absolute perfect. On the other hand, you know, if you are a white artist, you can just be one of those things. Right. right. Be cute. And we'll still get you $60 million, whether you can sing or dance or do anything else. Be able to sing, and you don't have to do anything else. We can just deal with that. And we see that even with rock bands. You realize rock bands don't have to be anything. Look at the Rolling Stones. Mm. Mick Jagger, probably worth, what, two, three hundred million dollars. This is a guy who can't sing. Yeah, yeah! Exactly. <laughs> just squawking, right? Just squawking out there. It's not even like he's trying to sing, right? You know, he, he's out there singing badly. He's jerking around like, like, like he's having a seizure and drunk in the seizure. And he's not handsome. Like, why? The Rolling Stones, they look like a bunch of guys who literally got out of bed and went right on the stage. Nobody got their hair combed. All right. But take a look. I saw Boy, you know, Boys and Men was in Vegas recently. Those mm-hmm. brothers are matching down to their draws. Right. Everything is in place. They got the wave caps on since nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and these brothers can sing, right? To the end right. of the road. And, and yet, you know, they're still, you know, trying to get some Rolling Stones scraps. Right, right. Well, you know, white supremacy works its way into every facet of American society. So even in our music industry, I think one of the things that um, is historically so interesting is a lot of the white artists didn't create their songs anyway. Like they would just take the Elvis made a career off of it. You just take (laughs) The, the, the black talent, because there's something about that combination of pain, sorrow, but the perseverance to try to overcome and get through, it creates seeds for great music. And what happens is we go through the pain, we go through the sorrow, we put in the time to create something that we feel like is going to be inspirational to other people who understand our walk of life. And somebody says, oh, that's hot, but give it to Elvis. 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and that was bad enough, but at least I understand that in the sense that Elvis was also good looking, all right, could dance and was hand and, and could sing. But you know, could could sing and he couldn't write his own music and stuff. So you can understand how you could take something that's good and then package it through something that's more appealing to white people. But I look at white people and I'm like, would you if you were you know, a white person wanna go to a concert and look at Ed Sheeran versus say Usher? I mean, without the herpes, with or without the herpes. All right, you get to, you know you can you can get some lip gloss for that. <laughs> Seriously, right? You look at like an usher. Usher can sing. You know, he's moving around and doing his dancing, and got choreography and all that. And then you got this this, this white boy here didn't comb his hair, still got sleep in his eyes, playing the guitar. You you know, and you're like, how in the world? Is this a comparable experience? Like, even if you're a white person, it seems like I would be like, hey, I want the guy who looks like he gave a damn today. <laughs> All right? So at least Elvis, like, had choreography and had his stuff together and put clothes on, brushed his teeth. Like, right. I don't get the idea that you just come in there looking sloppy. Everybody, all the white artists look like Harvey Weinstein. And somehow <laughs> that's okay. Uh, well, you know, I think that goes back to the standard of, of excellence that we've always had to Absolutely. pursue. So, um, you know, and, and I'll add this. Uh, I think t- to impress a black audience, you really got to bring it. Like <laughs> yes, we, we yes, talked before about um, the Apollo and how even even if it's a little kid singing a sweet gospel song, if it's not Mahalia Jackson status, like you can <laughs> tap dance off to us. Well, that, um, that's the crazy part about us. We will boo a six-year-old. We don't care. You know, I, I live in the suburbs now, for instance, right? And right. I one time went to a, a talent show for the kids' school. Seven little girls got up in a row and sang uh, the Frozen song, Let It Go, Let It Go. And, okay. and I was praying. I was like, in there, Moses, please let my people go. Uh, because <laughs> now one of them could hit the, they couldn't hit the low notes. Forget the no. high note, right? And we clapped and cheered like, like we did the best damn thing we ever seen in our lives. Well, but like I said, boy, a little sister, you know, and think about it, you, you've seen it, you know, everybody come on Showtime to Apollo, first they do is they rub a little thing, and then they right. try to sing, God bless the child, right, you got yeah. it, and, and if you don't hit Mahalia Jackson, right, <laughs> then they will boo you, the Sandman is coming, and will sweep right. you off the stage, and like I said, the Sandman will be like, I don't care if you're seven. You 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 get your seven year old butt off the stage because we're not having that, and so partly as black people we do have to work on that. We really need to be nice to our children. But <laughs> you got to set the bar high. You know what I'm saying? You got to you got to have something to inspire too. Good um, point. Good point. It, it was something that uh, I think Jamie Foxx when he won his first NAACP award, he said that. Um, he he said it was better than winning an Oscar because black people are the hardest people to impress. <laughs> you know, because I think that by the way, that's been uh, you. You can tell me. I'm sure it's been the same with you. This has been an advantage for me. You know, the idea that I have to work hard. So the other day, for instance, I gave a seminar, a webinar. Now remember, this is just a webinar. I'm just going to be on the computer talking with some slides in front of me, and mm-hmm. I literally stayed up all night. 
because I hadn't done that particular webinar before, and I wanted to make sure it was as good as it could be. Now, it wasn't less than 100 people on the thing. It wasn't like there was you know, a worldwide audience. But to me, I've always been taught that I don't care if it's six people. It's right. not them. It's the fact that I can't have my stuff out there being less than what I think it's supposed to be Absolutely. because I know that it is. And, you know, I'm trying to keep my half. Right? I still got another 348 mortgage payments. I can't be. <laughs> I can't relax now. I got to make sure, <laughs> you know, the year 2046, I'll be producing crap. I promise. But until then, <laughs> <laughs> I got some payments. Well, I think it goes back too to you know I know in my household my mom was always big on this investigation detail like there's always someone watching. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta be you gotta be excellent because you never know it might be someone good or it might be someone bad but someone is always watching uh, <laughs> and and I think. One of the things, and, and this may be partially my generation's fault too, we we got so um, tired of chasing the standard that it seems like every time we would reach it, the goalposts would move a little bit further okay. and we couldn't catch it. That people decided, especially for artists, they decided, I'm tired of chasing the standard. Okay. I'm going to to put my own manifestation out there. And if you like it, great. If you don't, great. And for certain artists, that was a great way to go. Um, right. But for other artists who didn't really have the talent level, um, they still somehow found ways to achieve mass amounts of success. So the classic example is um, when I first started using Periscope, uh, I was looking, you know, trying to connect with people on the continent of Africa to see, like, what's going on there? What do they listen to? And I happened to connect with a DJ, and all the DJ played were the songs that they suck here, but they make great cell phone ringtones. So, you know, like, like, you know, Soldier Boy, Superman, hey, you, (laughs) that stuff was blowing up. And that's when I thought, I said, huh, he's making money because his stuff sells well overseas. And in talking to that DJ, part of the reason why that stuff sells so well over there is because the world has developed an appreciation for black artistry and they don't look at it through the lens of um, that's not talent, that's not quality. They look at it through the lens of, oh, this is what black America did. So it's got to be hot. So once we dumb it down, then they're like, oh, well, right. We're the, we're the barometer. Okay, so this means that they're not to us. All right? You out there listening, you you under 85, um, <laughs> stop buying the Soldier Boy. All right? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> I'm going to find me a cheerleader or anything by the mumble rappers. <laughs> Yeah, the mumble rap thing. I I'm still trying to understand. I mean, I I was with them for auto tune, and I feel like I accepted more of that than I probably ordinarily would have would have done. Um, but then they got to this whole mumble rap plus auto tune, 
<laughs> like, I can't understand what you're saying. I don't really think you're saying anything. Um, and then that was a guy, I can't remember who it was, but he had a song where the hook was, I feel like Facebook. And he just kept saying that. I'm like, what does Facebook <laughs> feel like? It doesn't make sense. I feel like Facebook. 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 I feel just like Facebook. And and you you always think about um, the lyricists, uh, particularly like that that early 90s hardcore lyricism where you're getting like Jay-Z albums, Nas Absolutely, albums. right. And, and you're just like, how can you even be categorized in the same genre as these people? And on top of that, they're getting fame, notoriety, celebrity status, but there's some other well-deserving person who's way more talented that gets overlooked because they don't have the gimmick or the catchy sales um, necessary in order to sustain uh, the popularity, the mass popularity that these other people do. Well, no, you're actually right. And that, you know, what killed me, and I actually, as a grown man, I, I, I'm not going to admit it, but hypothetically, I, I shed a little tear. The first time I ever saw T-Pain sing. <laughs> No, you know what I mean? Because T-Pain can actually sing. Right. But he has to dumb down his stuff with auto-tune. Right. All right? Turn the lyrics into, you know, I'll buy you a drink. Right. Right? I'm in love with a stripper. Right. But But he didn't grow up singing that stuff. The brother, you know, is talented and could write better lyrics, but he understands if he write better lyrics, then nobody but you and me are going to buy them. And I ain't right. going to buy enough. Right for him to, to get <laughs> to be able to really live the kind of lifestyle he wants. I'm not keeping. Right. I'm gonna buy two or three of them. <laughs> I'll buy two or three albums, you know, do what I can for the cause. But um, that's still gonna leave you uh, about sixty-eight million short. So you know, and, and I, I felt so bad because I was like, I gotta look at this guy. I'm like, you know, and he has to know he's talented, right? And he's taking his beautiful voice and auto-tuned it, right? Wow. Turning it into <laughs> into the McDonald's speaker. Right, right, so right. that people will listen to it. <laughs> right. Well, I, I actually have a funny T-Pain story. So he was in college at the same time when I was in college. Uh, he was at Tallahassee Community College, I believe, and I was at uh, Florida A&M. Okay. And he took a, a class with us, an uh, English class at that. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, we one of the initial classes we had to talk about what we wanted to do when we got out of college and all that and it landed on him uh and the professor asked well what do you want to do and he says i want to be a rapper and professor says okay spit something really it's just dead silence like there's no there's no rap he's looking like are you serious uh there's nothing and I think he was just so embarrassed in the moment of being put on the spot that the right. teacher, you know, basically was like, all right, well, you really need to focus on what I'm teaching you in this class because <laughs> obviously, obviously uh, you're not ready. You know, you're not ready. <laughs> so, and, and so that was the, the memory. That was the first memory 
that I had of the guy who would go on to become Team Pain. No, 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 no stop, stop. Write down, write down your second memory, but but stop. I need you to stop because here's what we got to, you're bringing the point home. This is this is good. So the teacher, the professor who did that, uh, was it was it a brother or was it was it, was it a, a white professor? Oh, no, this is the sister. This is sister. Uh, not the billionaire Hobbs. Now, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> See the expectation? You right. can say you want to be a rapper, uh, but you yeah. need to be able to bring it. Right, right. Now, and we we're not gonna give you all you know all the two. We're not gonna give you a baseline. No, no, no. You supposed to be a rapper, rap. Right. And if you can't, by the way, I'm not gonna assume. Oh, good try, Haley. No. Your right. <laughs> <laughs> your yo, yo stupid butt need to pay attention there to 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 conjugating the verbs, damn right, it. Right. Because <laughs> That's what I'm up setting the standard, right? What she expects, all right? If you say you're going to do something, then you better be able to bring it, and you need right. to be ready now. And right. that's what I'm talking about, you know, bringing that back. So I'm impressed. Okay, go ahead. The next, then the second thing, the second time was what? So the second time was at a homecoming concert. Um, this was when he was still part of a, a rap group, and I can't remember what their name was. But um, he came out in a homecoming concert, and, you know, at, at FAMU, uh, we talk about, Black people having high standards. Fam, you homecoming is about the Ooh. highest standard that you have. Uh, and just for reference, uh, we booed Jagged Edge, and they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so the opening acts, I mean, like you, you didn't really have a chance. Um, most opening acts got booed, and the the. Guess was how many seconds would you make it into your song before the boo birds got you off the stage? So, and he has his group, and they actually had gotten somebody to do the little uh misting, so it would look like they came out of the talk. And the misting apparently got the stage a little too slippery, (laughs) and he falls. But I gave him credit because when he fell, he laid in the mist and he starts making snow angels while he's rapping. And it was, <laughs> it was you know, like, I just like the fact that his continuity, he knew how to keep the show going. Um, but they eventually got booed. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was the second time. So imagine my surprise when I think I was in second year of law school and I hear this guy who's you know singing this song everybody loves. Uh, uh, I'm sprung. That, that okay. I'm like, okay. Um, who is this? So I go to watch the video, and I'm like, really, <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, <laughs> and that's when I knew I probably was making the bad career move. Um, so <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Um, shout out to T Pain. Uh, congratulations on the success. I mean, he's done tracks with uh, everybody and uh, everybody, everybody. everybody. You know, no, 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 and brother's bad. And actually, yeah. he's talented. I'm glad he made his money. I just feel bad that you know we had to make him, you know, put on you know <laughs> big old glasses and, and, and a ridiculous hat um, <laughs> to, to listen to what he. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you know we're really go hot with this. You need to dress like a minstrel, like a ball. Thank you. We don't use the blackface today. <laughs> Let's just see how it works. <laughs> uh, exactly. I, I'm in love with a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. I mean, it's romantic, though. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so hey, everybody. You know, we're trying to bring new features to you, different ways to do this. And one of the features we want to bring to you this week is y'all don't know nothing about this. And particularly, one, we want to playfully explore the differences between you know, the dominant white culture and black culture, but not in, you know, very serious ways we often do here, but mm-hmm. just in lighthearted, playful ways, because as much as as we want equality, there's nothing wrong with differences for people who do things differently. So we don't all have to do things the same way. And so really, I want to explore this myth that black people have. And we're probably wrong. We don't know. But we're convinced that y'all don't know nothing about washcloths. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, one of us will sneak over, be invited over for a weekend or something, and we have to add, we have to bring our own washcloths because we we can't trust you. We'll have a washcloth there, and we want to know how. What do you use in replace of the washcloth? How are you getting the dead skin off of yourselves? Because you can't just rub a bar of soap on yourself, and and, and you're just rubbing you know soap on the dirt. Tell us what you're doing to exfoliate. Now maybe I'm wrong because Target sells washcloths and we're not all shopping at Target so maybe three or four white people are sneaking out and buying all the washcloths but but tell us if you're using the washcloths and if you're not you got some good white stuff that you're hiding from us because in a couple weeks we're going to tell you about the butters I'm just you know uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing that one so we'll tell you about the butters in exchange but maybe you got some good washcloth stuff that we don't even know about maybe you, you know you, you got a conch shell and, 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 and a seashell that's really getting good and we, we, you know, we dirty we, we need to know so help us out or I'm wrong and I got this, by the way. You know where I originally got this from? Remember the Dave Chappelle skit? Right. When in Trading Places and he was talking about how white people don't use washcloths. It's using raw bar soap and your butt crack and all that. Exactly, right? I might want to wash my face or my feet. So Dave, so Dave Chappelle is not the most accurate historical authority. He might be wrong on this. <laughs> So on the Facebook page, we'll post it, and you chime in, and and, and and we will, you know, I think we can learn. It's a cultural exchange. We can come to a happy uh, medium about trying to get clean. Right. And we we'll start from there. We need to dispel rumors. We need to dispel rumors because I know everybody doesn't use Bath and Body Works, um, but that's just what I imagine is going on in your shower. Like, that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> candy apple or some something pear based um, <laughs> absolutely the other thing we want to tease for you is that next week we're bringing you a new historical um, you know, segment just like we did for instance with Benjamin um, Banneker or what was it um, David Ban- the Credible Hulk with Daniel the Black Hulk <laughs> Benjamin Banneker. And what we want to do is to use this platform as an opportunity to educate, by the way, not just you, but ourselves. I, I didn't know anything about that. Uh, so I wouldn't expect most most people to. And, and, and so this would be somewhat educational in addition to um, us yelling at you from time to time. Right, right, right. And, and while we're at it, I also want to give a shout out to all the people, you know, I, I see that we are now international. So we have some people from the continent of Africa who are tuning in, um, who apparently enjoy the show. 
Uh, which oh, is really? Great. Yeah, absolutely. We're putting it out there, man. The brain is strong. So, so yeah, now, now where, where in Africa? Because this is, a, you know, I got to make sure I give my shout out to my my Nigerian folks. Um, I met a sister from Nigeria today. She was one of my my black Iman um, uh, people here in, uh, in 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 Canada, okay. and also um, my, my 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 adopted people, um, the, the Ethiopians. Um, <laughs> and my Somalian brothers, I go to Minnesota so often. I'm an honorary Somalian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> honorary. So, so I want to make sure we give a shout out. I'll, I'll take a look at the stats myself too. And uh, but I'm happy to hear we we made it to the motherland. Oh yeah. Uh, did we yeah. make it to Antarctica yet? What about Antarctica? Now nah, nah, the Penguins haven't checked in yet. Um, I think oh, we're still on, trying Antarctica. to get some of the race issues on the show. <laughs> 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 and uh, no, I gotta tell you, I, I'm so so happy we did this episode. I, I'm feeling feeling better now. Um, I'm, I'm feeling good. I think we got that off my chest. I, I think I'm really just happy that, that I got um, the thing off my chest about um, the mumble rap. So I think oh, I yeah. feel good. I, 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 I feel good now. The freestyle ready, man. You're ready for the battles now. You ready? I could be your hype man. I'd be like, yo, yo, yo. Oh, uh, you heard? Europe. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you now because I think as a 50 year old, that's really when you want to get into the rap. Game. Right, right. <laughs> Say it first. Just dive in there. MC Grandpa. <laughs> I, I get that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they not ready, man. Jay Z is out here changing the standard, so, so people not ready. And I and I can make sure that we pair you in battles with people that you're gonna look favorable against. So. Um, Soldier Boy, you're on notice. <laughs> you're on notice. I'm coming at you, boy. With not only <laughs> with not only a cape, but with a thesaurus. <laughs> Look it up, Soldier Boy. <laughs> and, and on that note, this is episode two, brothers in law. Uh, we'll be with you again next week for episode three. And as always, you can find us on all social media at Brothers in Law. That's B R U T H A S, letter N Law, L A W. We'll be black next week. <laughs> we'll be black next week.